What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland, for innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. Coming up on episode 279 of Wheel Bearings, we've got cold weather EV driving and charging with the Hyundai Ionic 5, the Lucid Air Touring, and the Mercedes-Benz EQB. The IRS um, put, makes, is going to make it a little bit easier to get a tax break on a new EV in the early part of 2023. California bans manufacturers from selling full self-driving that isn't. Uh, RAM uh, tr- applies for a trademark on the 1500 REV. And don't overload your pickup truck. <laughs> Episode 279 of Wheel Bearings. I'm Sam McGraw, Sam is from Guide Insights. And I am Nicole Wakelin. I'm going to say from the Walk Around podcast, I was a guest on their podcast and had a really fun time. It's a fun little podcast. I'm not familiar with that one. That one, it's, it was a fun, there a couple guys and we talked about, um, we talked about all sorts of stuff about what, how vehicles are doing and where the market is heading. And yeah, the walk around. It's fun. Google that one, guys. It's a fun little podcast. And the guys are really cool and sent me this nifty little speaker to say thanks. So I was like, oh, I got a little parting gift for my, my participation. But they really, it, was a, it was a fun, yeah, they do a lot of dealer-related stuff. But they talk a lot about how, how the industry is going and what's happening and what consumers need to know about cars and how automakers and dealers can make it less painful to buy a car. <laughs> They could stop dealing, stop acting like dealers. Well, yeah, there's that. That isn't, they still are dealers. So, yeah, so it was a really fun podcast. It's a cool bunch of guys. Um, oh, I'm Roberto Baldwin, and I'm from, uh, <laughs> I'm from, I don't know, let's say Engadget this week. I did Sorry, a lot of videos. Went off for on a tangent before Robbie. Yeah. I know, Robbie's like, wait, it's my turn. Sorry. Where am I? Where am I? What's happening? Uh, my, initially, when you said walk around, I'll, it's just like walking around. Like, hey, I went to a place and I walked around. I'm like, oh, no, car walk around. Again, I just do my... Well, it's I, not... I'm, I didn't actually walk around a car. It's just like the walk that's, around. That's, that's, the, that's what I it's... Guess. In, that's the name, what the name means. But in my eight, seven, getting up at 7 a.m. brain... Oh, um, you poor California boy enjoying your you know, warm weather, but getting up at 7 a.m. It's not warm weather. It's raining oh, cold. What's, well, actually, te- what's cold? Actually, actually it's what's like cold, Robbie? It's not cold today. It's like 50 degrees. Today is okay. nice. Okay, so really? Shh, about cold. Um, air quotes, yeah. cold. Yeah. But again, we don't have any insulation in our homes here. <laughs> oh, poor Robbie. So if it's, you know, 30, if it's 31 outside, it's 32 inside. <laughs> and I've been to have- the... I've been to the East Coast. Y'all have like crazy things. Uh, Well, I mean, heat's great because it just dissipates into the outside world. (laughs) I can, I can, I can get no sympathy for you. My face is like freezing off right this time of year. Like I walk outside, it's like my face, my face hurts. It's so cold. So no. Yeah, but you have to go outside to freeze. I'm inside my house and, and, and uh, there's like that. It looks like I'm smoking. (laughs) You can see your breath. Is that the phrase you're yes. looking for? <laughs> you can see your breath in our house. It's 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 a very people always will make fun of San Francisco because like oh it's cold here and they're like Pfft. and then they'll come and visit it is, and they'll be I like mean, really they're is. like what is going on why it's only it's only forty degrees why is it so cold I'm like well you get the water off the bay the the Pacific Ocean is very cold and also we don't have any uh, insulation in our homes. 
I still, I think the next time you say that it's cold and, and you try to make me sympathetic from New Hampshire, I'm going to walk outside in the blizzard and be like, here's your cold, Robbie. Here's cold. Can, there you go. Now I shush. In, <laughs> I lived in Kansas City where it was negative 45 all winter. Oh, see, that's cold. Well, I, I will give yeah, you Yeah, but that. I could go inside and it was so damn hot because I'm so used to being <laughs> super cold no matter where I'm at. If, I, if it's cold outside, it's cold inside. You put a blanket on <laughs> So when I go to the East Coast and they're like, oh, it's so cold and you get inside and it's like nine, it's like 70 degrees in the house. I'm like, what is wrong with you people? It's too hot. <laughs> anyway, well, the, the, sorry. The cold, the cold weather has left us for now here in, here in Michigan. It was in the single digits last week, um, last weekend. And um, now it's, it's 52 degrees outside and raining. And in fact, that's lovely. Uh, looking so at the we 10 have. Day, t- the 10 day forecast, it's supposed to be 62 next Tuesday. What? On January 4th. January oh, my 3rd. gosh. Seems um, ill-advised. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's 56. It's no wonder it's warm outside. It's 56. It's warm. That's shorts weather. It is shorts weather. And and Actually, so it's going to be warmer here in Michigan than it's going to be in Las Vegas next week when I'm there for CES. Uh, Las Vegas is... That's just really desert cold. The, de- the desert does get cold in the winter. It does. Yeah, you don't think of the desert as being cold, but it, even when it's not winter in the evenings, it can get really cold in the desert. Yeah. So uh, we've now pivoted the Wheel Bearings podcast to a weather podcast. It's a weather channel. It's the weather channel, and we'll be more accurate than the actual weather channel. So, you know. <laughs> we hope. Let me talk to you about rain. All right. What, what have you been driving, Robbie? <laughs> So I've been driving a car in the cold. No. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so I had the Lucid Air Touring um, this past week. Uh, I think I mentioned I was getting it um, last week. I don't know. I mentioned the Lucid Air Touring you did. Uh, previously that I was getting it because someone had asked about the the rear, um, what are those, chairs, seats? Seats. <laughs> rear seats. Again, it's early in California for Robbie. Were, oh, so anyway, so they're asking about uh, how the seats went down so they could go skiing. So it is a 60-40 split in the back. Um, there is a pass-through in the center uh, seat. I always want to put air quotes around seat because it's not for adults. It's for very skinny children. Um, so, you know, you pull Seating down. Seating position. Little, seating position, yeah. So there's a little hole. So you could put a couple pairs of skis through there. Maybe not a snowboard. Um, but if you do the 60-40 split and you have children, you just put one in the middle, one on the edge, and then you have uh, that whole other side over there for your, your skis or your snowboard or whatever. And, of course, that depends on how big your, your gear is. So that was the someone, – someone asked that question before. Um, having said that, it is uh, – it's still a Lucid Air. It's, you know, it's less expensive than the uh, Grand Touring and the Grand Touring Performance and the Sapphire. But it's still a very nice uh, – a very nice luxury um, EV. Um, it's really nice to drive. It's very smooth, very powerful. Uh, the chassis is worked out really well. Um, I've talked to the chassis team over there like, I don't know, 50 times it feels like at this point. Um, it is. Uh, it has an EPA rating of 424, 425 miles um, from an 88 kilowatt hour uh, capacity pack, which is uh, really efficient. Uh, that said, uh, Lucid does the same sort of uh, EPA testing that uh, Tesla does. So whereas most people, you're going to get that in the real world, you'll probably get a little bit lower than that um, just just right driving around. Uh, I did my test. Um, it was very cold. It was like 35, 39 on the day I was doing the test. Um, I don't warm the cars up. I just get in and drive because 
that's what people do. Um, and I got 385, no, 308, no. Oh, I had the 20-inch wheels, so it, it that brings the, the range down to 385, and then I got like three something or other. Let me look at my, my note real quick, sorry. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. So Between the cold and the, the up early, he's a mess. Well, well, yeah, well or, you lose some range with yeah, that you lose smaller a, battery pack. You do also get the foot garage, though, right? Yes. So the so with the twenty inch wheels, it goes down to three hundred eighty four miles. Uh, in my test, we got three hundred twenty five miles. I got three hundred twenty five miles of range um, out of the pack. Uh, again, cold day, so that's you know that's what's going to happen. And again, that that they're using the different uh, EPA testing than other people. Um, it has uh, it's it's the <laughs> the slowest lucid air you can get right now. Um, what is six, a slow word, lucid air? Zero to sixty in three point four seconds. Uh, Six hundred twenty uh, horsepower. Unacceptable. unacceptable. Anything over three seconds Ugh, is unacceptable. Garbage. Unacceptable. Um, but even with like even with the big wheels and the cold and the the um, the cold air or the cold uh, range run, it got three point seven miles per kilowatt, which is. Pretty good. Um, they say it'll do over four per kilowatt. You know, and, and that's obviously in like, you know, a nice day. Um, the wind resistance. You know, that EPA test. Um, yeah, I I still think the the infotainment system needs to do two things at once. <laughs> it's uh, especially <laughs> when you're doing that drive and you're like, oh, I want to see the map and I want to like be able to control my music or see the music. I mean, you can still control it with the with the steering wheel, but for some reason, like seeing it and having like having two things on the on the display, and there's two displays. That's the weird thing. Having two things on the display, one is media and the other is navigation, just seems I don't. It's it just seems very important. I don't know why, uh, <laughs> but it is. It's very important for some reason um, in my brain. I think it's important in other people's brains. Um, that's that uh, that top display is just. You know, a few little things. The bottom display, you could do so many things, and it's 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 pretty intuitive. I'm like, oh, where's the? Oh, it's right here in the openings. There's like just the openings, charging. Where do I do it? Oh, it's in charging. <laughs> and then you go, oh, I need to find something. The vehicle, oh, vehicle. Oh, it's right there. It's it's, yeah. There's a, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of things you can do. It's it's um, with the uh, the infotainment system. They've they've also sped it up. Um, I think I've talked about it before, um, where they essentially just hired a bunch of people from Apple and other. Uh, and other Silicon Valley uh, software companies, and said, "Hey, make this better," and they did. And so it's it's yeah no it's it's the seats are a bit um, uh, the front seats aren't quite as plush as you would find in EQS, um, but driving around they actually ended up being comfortable. I I was like, oh these are, these seems a little not as not as squishy as a you know a luxury vehicle. But when I after driving for you know the three hours it takes to do a a range run. I was like, oh, these are actually quite nice. Um, the rear seats are actually far more comfortable than the, the the front seats. They feel a little squishier. They feel a bit more plush. And yeah, they have that footwell because they have the smaller battery pack. So they've um, they've removed some of the battery right where your your rear feet go, so you don't have that your feet kind of up in the air thing that you have in the Grand Touring. Um, you have more headroom in the back of a Lucid Air uh, Touring than you have in say an EQS sedan. Um, one of the one of the issues with the EQS sedan is that the it doesn't have a lot of headroom in the back for for tall people just for based on the shape which is why I I think if people are looking at EQS and they're concerned about and they're tall and they're concerned about rear rear space they should probably get the EQS uh, SUV um, 
Overall, you know, $107,400, so it's still not cheap. Ooh. They still have the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's cheaper than the other ones. <laughs> uh, they have the, the, the um, I believe they're, they are delivering pures right now, or they're, are, are they're going into, um, into production with the pures. I, I, that was, that I think was they the, announced that they were starting some deliveries of pures. Maybe not very many, but they're, I think they are delivering them. Yeah. So yeah. So that's it's um and that one starts at eighty seven thousand four hundred dollars for the uh, rear wheel drive version, which will not be available at launch. Instead, you'll have to you have to get the uh, the all wheel drive version, which adds uh, fifty five hundred bucks, which is like ninety something thousand dollars. Um, that said, even if they, I, I've sat in the pure. Um, you know, it's 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 not quite as luxurious, but it's still. You're still getting that nice, uh, lucid air sort of uh, minimalism. It's very much uh, like a, like a Swedish minimalism when it comes to luxury, even though they're going after the German automakers. Uh, it's just a nice car, and you know the because they've the packaging, the chassis, everything. You know they have the giant frunk where you open it up and there's a nice frunk, and then you lift up the little false bottom and there's a big hole so you can stick. A, I had a, a teeny, I had a small cooler, but I I could stick a couple a cooler in there if I wanted to. You could tailgate with the uh, with the lucid air. Um, it's got a nice size uh, um, trunk and the way that the the back opens is very interesting. Yeah, you have a really big opening to yeah. pack stuff in there. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 really it's it's a sedan. It's not a it's not a, a hatchback, but the way it opens is like you have all this room to get your stuff in and out. So it's at, that's really nice. Um, and then of course underneath that, there's also some more room where you can put some more stuff. It's uh, yeah, yeah. The packaging of the vehicle, the drivability, the the luxury, the comfort, the speed, the performance. It it handles really well. Um, it's 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 a it's a sports sedan like wrapped in a luxury sedan package. Uh, overall, yeah, Lucid Air Touring. They just keep. They should just need to keep doing what they're doing, is what, <laughs> what it comes down to. It uh, again, uh, them and 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 uh, Rivian, uh, Lucid and Rivian both came out with really great cars at the worst possible time. So we'll, hopefully, everything will work out for both those automakers. Um, you know, we, we Lucid is a perform is a uh, luxury brand. Um, don't expect anything. You know, don't expect like a thirty thousand dollar EV from them at any point. Um, but you know. Everything Although, that they do. Although, you know, um, Peter Rawlinson, the CEO, has, has said that they they do plan to introduce more affordable vehicles in the future. You know, I mean, their, their next product is going to be an SUV, the Gravity, coming in 2024, and then they're going to start moving down market. Yeah, but the, I think it'll be like a BMW more, situation. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. so you'll get like a like a 3 Series type or, or an A-Class um, Type of type of lucid, so it'll be less expensive, but it, it's not going to be, you know, a Hyundai Kona. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think they got a Kona priced lucid somewhere hiding there? Yeah. You never know. You never know. Never. You never know. I mean, they they, they are very, especially uh, Peter. They're very proud of their their efficiency and what they're doing. And and, and to be honest, he 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 actually prefers. <laughs> He prefers a less expensive vehicle. He's like, when you talk to him, he's like, I actually like this nice cheaper one. Yeah, but they, you know, he knows that the market. He's like, well, you know, if you got to, you got to do the, you know, you sell the big expensive ones, so you get the money, so you can, you can buy the less, you can make the less expensive ones. I mean, everyone's been doing that forever, um, so it it makes sense that you people will be doing that with EVs. 
But yeah, 60-40 split. I forget who asked. Somebody asked. But you um, answered their question. Whoever I you answer, are. Look at that. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, am, I am delivering content for our listeners. So <laughs> person who is looking at Listening elusive. to the voice of the customer. The co- yes. voice of the customer. The voice of the customer. Oh my Off God. in the darkness. Just whispering <laughs> in my ear. Hey, hey. Hey, can I put skis in the back of this? I'm like, yeah, sure. Somebody tell Why me. Not? I need to ski with this. Help, help. <laughs> but if you if you are going to go skiing with the Lucid Air, make sure you get a set of winter tires. Oh yeah, get yes. some winter tires. That, those those. Uh, that's those just tires. a. I feel like that's just our, our perpetual tip. If you're going to uh, go anywhere where there's winter, snow, what's the answer? Tires. Winter tires. We just yes, want to make tires. sure you guys. If you haven't heard us say that 800 times. We'll say it in 800 first you don't want time. To put, you don't want to put chains on a lucid air. Come on. No, no, no. no definitely not. Ugh. You don't, you don't want to risk you know, damaging that body work around the wheel well. I know. That's oh. exactly what I was thinking. I'm like, oh, my God. You would, that beautiful car and you would, if the chain, oh, no, 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 no. Don't do that. Yeah, that's, I think that's why they have the people on the side of the road in California when you go up to the mountains. If you don't have all-wheel drive, they'll make you put chains on. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's people who just line up and be like, I'll put chains on for 40 bucks. I feel like that's the best 40 bucks you're going to spend. <laughs> Someone that done, that's done it a thousand times. Right. Yeah, I'll do this for you. Okay. Yeah, I know how to do this. I got this. Not like, oh, what do I do? I put chains on exactly once uh, while snowboarding with a friend in his car. And I was like, no, this is stupid. <laughs> I, don't <laughs> I, don't know why we I don't know why we didn't take my car. I think I can't remember. There was a reason why we took his car instead of my WRX. Um but yeah, I've never put. I mean, I know. I, I presumably I know how. I've seen it. I've watched it. But I don't think I've ever put chains in a car because everything I've ever owned has been either all-wheel drive and or snow tires. So, and I've never been like to a mountain pass that requires it. I don't know that there's any place on the East Coast where you have to have either chain. Cha- I don't think. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I've. And I've been up in the White Mountains during the winter, which would be about as mountainy as it gets around here. I, I don't know that I've been on a road. It's, probably, it's a situational thing. Yeah. Where, you know, California, like most people don't have snow. That's like most true. of the state doesn't yeah. have snow. And then when you when you do get snow, the roads are already treacherous. They're already yeah. like windy and, and narrow. Yeah. And so, yeah, we, we kind of need that so people just don't go shooting off into... <coughs> shooting you know. like, ah, should have yeah. put on those chains. Should have put on those chains. Where I grew up, they would just close the road before they would ask for chains. The road is so bad. We need chains. Finally, shut it down. Like, ah, forget it. Just shut it down. <laughs> so, Nicole, did you drive anything this week? I had the same car I had last week, which is the Mercedes EQB. I get it for a two-week loan during the holidays. That's how it works up holidays. here. For the because, holidays. Because the, the fleet company there doesn't want to uh, work during the break? I guess, you know, and everybody needs a little break. So I'm like, you guys, you guys enjoy a little break and I'll enjoy the car for it. I had, I mean, it's not the worst car to have for two weeks. I'll survive. It's a nice nice little EV. It's a nice little, like, hey, we we just, we we, we just took a gas car and we made it an EV and it's an EQB and you you know what? Here you go. (laughs) So I did have a few additional thoughts having driven it now. Ooh, it's a long-termer. It's your long-termer now. It's my long-term loan. Yeah. So first of all, we had really, uh, we had some, like, not heavy snow, but a little bit of light snow, and the temperature dropped. Um, And that, the door for the charging port, first of all, it's a pain in the butt to open. It doesn't like to pop open. But then even inside, you have to pull. It's not hard. I don't want to make it sound like it's hard, but there's like a little latch you pull, and then the interior door pops open so that you can plug in your cable. It froze. I couldn't get the little interior one, the one that hasn't actually, whatever moisture got near there from it being a little snowy and rainy, literally little interior one. So I have the metal part of the door, you know, door open, 
but the little black plastic part that covers the actual plug inside. I'm pulling the little thing, and it's not oh. opening. Yeah, do you know what I mean? You know how I like, like should know that because they sell these things to like people in Switzerland, which is really weird. right down the road like, from So Germany. I find, right, practically the same. So like it opens up, like the metal one, I'm like, pam, pam, pam. okay, finally pops open. Then I'm like, I can't, I, I can't get it. And so then I pop it and it's stuck. So I'm like, I don't, does one punch the Mercedes? Okay, punch, 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 punch. And I have to like, really, <laughs> I'm like, I'm trying to, I'm like, how do I break the little Mercedes. ice seal that's somewhere? How hard do I smack this with my hand before I crack this plastic? Oh. So it was a little tricky, and it happened probably like three or four times since I've been charging. So it's not like really? a one-off. Yeah, really weird. And it it's hasn't enough condensation been, where it freezes. Right, because it hasn't been like, you know, 10 below zero. We've had temperatures from probably... 12 degrees up to like 50 but when it gets down to that 12 in the teens there and the teens it it did not like opening it, it was like no you should just should not be going out right now don't charge your car so <laughs> that was tricky also here's a weird thing that i never so we have one charger at our house and two cars that can use them because one's a plug-in hybrid and one's an in now we have this ev so we're kind of switching back and forth as we're charging during the week because we just have the one cable. Um, but the Mercedes is set so that you have to have your key near with you in your pocket, and then you have to push a little button, and then it releases. On the key, on the so key fob? Or right, on yeah, the well, no, yeah. on the car. There's a, there's a button that's yeah. actually in next to a little door that was freezing. Mm -hmm. There's a little button there, and you have to have a key fob. So my husband, it was a weird, frustrating thing. If he just wanted to, like... He came home and he had used his car and he wanted to plug it in and charge it. Has to go inside, get the Mercedes key, come outside, unlock the Mercedes, plug in his car. Because you can't do it unless the key's in your pocket, which I get from the like, okay, the rest now of the some, world. People, some jerk, yeah, people some were unplugging other people's cars car. for like. But it was, but in terms of like, if you have two EVs in your driveway and you're not always carrying two giant key fobs in your pocket, you got to go get the key fob for the car that you don't want to drive so you can swap the cable from one car to the other. I, I this, got a lot of flack need the, for that. This is where you need the phone as a key, you know, and have your phone paired to, to all the yeah, vehicles. Yeah, just have your That's phone. what you'd have to do. Yeah, so it was like, that was, that was kind of a pain in the neck. And the third thing that was, and I do have positive things, but the third thing that was kind of funny is, um, like, obviously no one's allowed to drive the press car except for me for the rules of Mercedes, but sometimes if we're blocking each other in, my husband will move the car to the right to get it out of his way, or my daughter, my husband then once again had that moment of like, how the heck do I shift this thing? It was shifting. My, my daughter, who is 20, sat behind it just to move it, and she comes back in. She's like, I can't move it. I can't get this to move. I don't know what's happening. She couldn't get the right combination of like shift the gear, shift or put the brake. It kept giving her messages, and when I sat down, I'm like, what'd you do? You broke the Mercedes? How did you? It would not recognize. I don't know what weird combination of like pressing the brake and then trying to put it in drive she did. But it's like, no, you must press the brake pedal. And I'm you, like, you messed it up too many times. We're going to yeah, lock you up for it was an hour. right. I was like, I am. I am pressing the brake pedal, Mercedes. It is. It is firmly pressed. It's like, nope, nope, nope. And I'm, I had to turn it off, turn it back on again like it's a computer, which I guess technically now it is. Right. And then redo the whole thing. But it got so confused by whatever she did with the combination. <laughs> it was like, I'm out. Not doing this. What? No. You know what? You shouldn't be allowed to drive. You, can't. you shouldn't be allowed to move this car five it's feet making, forward and five feet back. It's, yeah. it's, made, it's made a decision, and the decision it, is your daughter shouldn't right? be allowed to drive. The AI was like, you are no. not worthy of moving me five feet no. in the driveway to get to no. the other I don't car. know what you're going to do once you get me in, in gear. I don't know. I'm I was gonna, like, no. anything not, could happen. I'm not, not worth risking the risk. that. Right. No. It's like, well, no, I'll you're die. out. 
But the one thing, one of the things that I did discover that I actually really kind of liked that I thought was kind of neat is when it, um, when it's charging, once you get it plugged in and you have it charging it, cause I didn't notice it till I really like plugged it in at night and suddenly you can really see what's glowing. You know, all the ambient lighting in the car is very visible if you're just standing right outside of it, that everything glows green when it's plugged in and charging properly. So you see this big green glow across the dashboard and there's a display on the instrument cluster and everything. Even it's like all like green, I'm charging green. I'm charging and has a percentage and you can see everything just glancing in so it's a really good way to make sure like to see just how far you need to charge and to see that yeah in fact it is charging i thought that was pretty nifty and the one time i didn't quite get the plug in right and i could see that it was yellow because there's also an indicator right by where you plug it in but even the inside is yellow like nope you don't have this right you don't have this right you don't have no matter this where right. you're looking at the car it tells you you've it's like up. you have made a mistake yes things are so going I, horribly wrong I did like the green lights, but yeah, the door, I found that the door thing was probably, it's a little finicky in the cold, which surprised me. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably, maybe the, it's too, the, where it slides in, it's too thin. Maybe it should be a little bit wider. I don't know. Send the thing in Mercedes that way. If it's a little wider, it'll be a little bit tougher for it to freeze. Maybe. Yeah. Cause it was, cause like I said, it's not like we've had blizzard conditions. We had some rain. There was dampness in the air and I guess there's just enough, like you said, enough moisture and condensation that just stuck to that door that it would not open and i literally was like pop 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 trying to break it open because <laughs> i couldn't unplug it in the morning the one morning it was frozen in and i'm like okay now i feel like i'm driving a hydrogen vehicle i can't get it unplugged it's like, <laughs> it's like stuck there pounds yeah frozen. like come on i just want to try so yeah one time it wouldn't let it open to, to get a blow dryer out and I know, blow dry the thing, right? So a couple of times I couldn't get the door open, and the one time I couldn't get the plug out, I'm like, this is ridiculous. So. Well, do they need to put a little heater on the... Just I don't know, to, just but to, it just Just to keep it at 30, 33 degrees. That's all it has to do. I don't know. I don't know. But so that was my experience. I, I do have a funny experience to share, though, because we we're, we're all driving EVs, and um, my husband has rented an EV. He is currently in Florida and uh, visiting my daughter, and... He rented a Polestar, and he's all excited about renting this Polestar that apparently when he got it, had um, they had not fully charged it. It only had like 100 miles of charge on it, and he didn't know exactly where he was going or exactly how far. Like, and doesn't know where everything is, right? So he's like, okay, i got to find a charging station because I'm not quite sure what's working, what's available. Hey, who did, what's who did he, was this Avis? I want to say it was Hertz. I think Hertz, it was Hertz. Oh, it's Hertz. Yeah, it is yeah, Hertz. Hertz has, right. has a bunch of Polestar. Come on, Hertz. Tesla's. Yeah, and I'm Get like, you couldn't, you couldn't fully charge the vehicle before you handed it off. So anyway, so and he's not panicked. He's like, well, I'll just stop here. There's this one that says it's on the side of the road here. I'm going to go to this one. I'm going to charge that up, and it'll give me a little extra charge, make sure I get where I need to go when he gets what there. What could possibly go wrong? The entire charging station, all three or four chargers, is under construction. <laughs> so he's like, okay, can't use those. Then he's like, oh, wait, there's this other one that's over here that's supposed to be accessible from the parking lot of this convention center. And the convention uh -oh. center is not having a convention, but it's supposed to be accessible for people to use from the parking lot. So he goes to the convention center, and the parking lot has extra gates up and is entirely gated in in this one area. And you know what's in that area? Chargers. The chargers. So they're probably, they're probably like seven kilowatt chargers, right? too, because yeah. of the convention like, center. Right? And he's like, are you kidding me? And he was trying to like do a work phone call from the car. And he's like, yeah, so I thought I would like charge things up and get everything ready and be in my trees. Like, I'm not. Instead, I'm sitting in the car like, sorry, guys, I'm trying to charge my vehicle. I'm in a parking lot. <laughs> so, so first I've, of all, if they're going to hand out... That. 
Yeah, if yeah. they're gonna hand out like cars, Hertz needs to a charge them. B right? give you give you like a list of like here are nearby charging stations. Yeah. Because no, it's I don't not, think they did anything like that. It's not like the that. same as a gas car. I mean, no. once you do it, you're like, oh, okay, now I get it. But you're giving these cars to people who probably don't own any. If they own an EV, then no you're idea. like, fine. They, they kind of get the – but you're going to have a lot of people who don't own EVs, and this is like their first their first chance right? like driving an EV. And Hertz is just like, whatever, man. Here's, here's a car with, with 30 miles of charge. Figure it out. And, like, <laughs> and, he was and the thing fine, is, they, but... you know, they, they, never, they never rent you a gas car without a full tank of gas in it. That's just it. Like you get a gas car, you get a full tank of gas, and then you have to return it with a full tank or pay roughly $800 per gallon yep. for them to fill it up for you, right? So, but the, I guess you don't have to return it with a full charge. And my husband's like, I am not returning this with a full charge. I'm like, okay, you do what you want. I, I have rented a few cars recently that don't have a full tank of gas. So that's actually worse because now it's like, oh, I got to figure out how to get three quarters of the tank because I'm not giving so, them extra gas. Right, you're not yeah. giving it. You're like, I'm not. You like, oh, no, no, no. So much per gallon. I am not giving you a single ounce and, of gasoline. Yeah, so I'm like at the gas station, like, Start putting gas, putting gas, putting gas, stopping, <laughs> turning the ignition on, looking. I'm like, oh, I can put another gallon in there. <laughs> all right, how far do I have to go? Like 10 miles? Okay, we're good. All right, all right. All right. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's so, a pain in the butt when they don't give yeah, you the full. Yeah, so I was, so he was really surprised because what he thought was, his original thought was whatever the range was. I don't even know what the range is in the Polestar, but he's like, I should have enough that if I just drive this where I need. Okay, so if I drive this where I need to go and drive around, I'm going to be totally fine. I'm not even going to need to charge it. But then he was kind of like, oh, I'm sort of on the edge here. And because I don't know where everything is and I don't know like which ones are under construction, kind of taking my left in my hand, so I better charge it up. He's like, oh. and lo and behold, I proved my point where I can't get to the first two charges I go to. Uh, I'm, I'm curious oh. if, if you know, um, did he try using Google Maps in there to search for chargers? Because you know Google Maps in Android Automotive in there... Uh, actually, even the, just the regular Google Maps on your phone, you can search for EV chargers, and, and it will pull them up and show you where they are. And in most cases, even show you what the maximum power well, he is. Well, he did search. I can't remember how he searched, but the thing was it didn't tell him that they – I mean, you can't see that it's not working. Yeah. You know? Okay. So, like, he searched to find the ones he found. He's like, oh, there's one here. I'll try this one under construction. Like, literally, they were doing construction. It wasn't like they were just, like, random repair. Like, clearly, they're they're upgrading them or something. Like, he said, it looked like they were doing something because all of them were sort of being worked on. Yeah. Second one, cordoned off. But again, you can't see that in the app. You don't, like, when you Google it, you're just like, oh, there's one right here. I'll go there. Oh, nope. There's one right here. I'll go there. So it wasn't a huge big deal. He eventually found one. You know, not a, he's not in the middle of nowhere. He's in Orlando. He's going to find an EV charger. Might as well be in the middle of nowhere. I know, right? But he, so he did find, but it was still one of those, like, he got the vehicle with less charge than he expected. He couldn't immediately find one. He's like, ah, oh, if this is my first experience. He was laughing about it because he's not panicked about driving something that has right. a plug. I mean, he's, but been, like, he's been around you long enough. You know, right. It's not, he's like. Uh, the same thing. Right. He's like, also, I've had this happen before. But if, like you said, Robbie, if you'd never driven an EV, you're like, let's give it a go. Let's get one when we're on vacation. Oh, my God, I only have 100 miles. And your first experience uh, is, you know, driving around convention center. Uh-huh. <laughs> Trying to find a charging station that's Trying been gated off. Yep. Yeah, the, the, and it's, the, and it's the, even worse, you know, if you arrive somewhere after dark, you know, someplace you don't know. Oh. And, you know, yeah. driving around trying to find a charger in the dark. You know, right. Yeah, you know, these things never have any signage or, you know, most of the time don't have any lights around them. You know, they might be sitting in the middle of a Walmart parking lot or, right. you know, something like that or, or yeah. behind a gas station. 
You know, you know what I really like? The the Lucid would tell you exactly in the parking lot where the jet charging station. Like the one, oh, that's like cool. They've gotten better because I remember uh, EA. There was a charging station on the the top level of a of a parking garage, but it just said the parking garage. And so you had, you got there. Oh my so God. There's like six <laughs> levels. So I'm like, well, maybe it's in the basement. I'm like, well, I guess I'll go from the bottom up. And I just kept going up and up. And then finally I got funny. to it and I called EA and I'm like, Hey, this is, they're like, Oh, what's well, you know, they called me back. This is, this is before they got overwhelmed, but they're like, Oh, what's the problem? Like you need to tell people where the charging station is. We're like, we didn't know, no, what level and what yeah. corner. Even if you just say yeah. level six, Northeast corner, that's it. Right. That's all you well, need to and, tell people. And, even and, just level six, fair, so you're at least lapping the right yeah. level of the garage. I right. just going around for like 20 minutes <laughs> in this garage. Finally, I get to the top, and I'm like, okay, well, that I guess that makes sense. I don't know. Yeah, um, what I've found with EA, like the, the Electrify America app, is supported in Android Automotive, um, and uh, or and and Android Auto, I should say. Um, so if you have if you have your phone connected to the car, you um, you can and you're using Google Maps and you know listening to something, you can go to the EA app and it will find the chargers for you, and it'll show you like you said you know it'll show you the address you know or you know it's in this parking garage, um, but in the Android Auto interface that's all it shows you. It doesn't show you those details, but if you actually pick up your phone and look in the app itself, in the app it does give you those details. Um, on on the phone, but for whatever reason they don't display that on the screen when you're using Android Auto, and I'm not sure about with with iPhones how they do it. I'll have to try yeah. that next time. Get it together. Yeah. Yeah. Get it's, it together. It, it's it's a pain, and they so. you know, all all the charging companies need to do better. Yeah. ChargePoint's the same way. I've had the same experience with ChargePoint, where uh, you know you can you can look it up in Android Auto with the ChargePoint app, and it'll get and you know. Uh, tap on one and it'll add that to your Google Maps navigation and it'll it'll guide you there but it won't mm-hmm. tell you which level it's on unless mm-hmm. you actually look in the app I have I have the exact same experience with that one yeah. I think the Mercedes ones does that as well where it tells you exactly in the in the parking lot mm-hmm. I, I, I think because I was like I was both times like oh finally people are fixing this where I, I don't have to like drive it's, around a parking isn't lot isn't it weird though doesn't it seem like such an obvious thing I mean you know where your charger is you know it's there like yeah. How hard it seems like that would be one of those things that somebody in development would be like, hey guys, maybe we should give them a little more of a hint than in this ten story garage. Good luck. Like, yeah. can't we tell them something? <laughs> yeah, we were because we were doing the dry. We were doing the video shoot with the Lucid Air, and there was a, a charging station at a Safeway, which um, and it tells you like what lane to go down inside the parking inside the, oh, the, wow. the dry. It was just a it was just a parking lot. It wasn't like a but it's like oh go over here now take a right here because sometimes you see them off in a distance. You're like oh I'll go down this lane. And you're like nope wrong lane sucker. And you're like ah. It's like a maze. You're like oh shoot yeah. dead end. No wait right no I'm okay I'm getting closer. I that can one was, see it. <laughs> that one was they don't they only had like three stations though. And that one was full and we're like boo. Same. You got to put more stations up. And I, I, it was an old legacy station though so. More stations. More, more stations. Charging. More more reliable stations. Yeah, mostly more reliable that. Doesn't, doesn't help if the stations are there and they're not working. How about just existing stations reliable? Even that yeah. would be an improvement. <laughs> that, that station had a, had a Rivian and a uh, F-150 Lightning. And then Ooh. a Kona. A Kona EV. 
That's quite the assortment of EVs. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it, that one's in Marin, so it's that's the other the one with all three fifties. There was a there was an EV six, Ionic five, and a Polestar all in a row, and then me in the Lucid Air. Nice. Very fair. Yeah, it was a. Again, I live in Northern California, so yeah. Well, <laughs> so you know, I've, I've been surprised. I, I'm, you know, I, here in Southeast Michigan, I've been seeing more and more EVs of all different brands, not just you know Ford and GM, but. You know, seeing a lot more uh, Lucid Airs. Uh, I've, seen, seen, I've seen several Lucid Airs, but also seeing a lot more Rivians, uh, a lot of VW ID4s, um, a lot of uh, Ionic 5s and EV6s and, and Kona EVs. Uh, so it's they're becoming more and more common all the time. There's, there's definitely a lot of them around. And did you know you can support wheel bearings directly? Head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you. And exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia. I also had an Ionic 5 over the past week. Dun, dun, dun. And, um, Big way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I I. I Specifically asked for this one from Drive Shop, you know, because of the uh, the weather forecast that was well a combination of two things: the weather forecast that was coming through for extremely cold weather just ahead of Christmas, and also my local EA station um, just came back online a couple of weeks ago after they did a, a rip and replace of the old legacy chargers that they had there. Um, so they had um, six chargers at this site um, uh, not far from my house. Um, they left the one that had the Chatamo connector on it, which is what they're doing at all their, their sites. So they're leaving the old chargers with the Chatamo because um, no, the new chargers are not supporting Chatamo at all. Uh, and then the other five are brand new chargers, all 350 kilowatt chargers with the uh, hypercharging label on them. Hyper. So, so you know that it, you know, it's, it's the best. And, and like a child with a Red Bull and a Ultra. candy. I like hyper. the hyper. I like that label, hypercharging. Yeah. Um, better screens on there, you know, definitely a lot easier to read. Um, and, uh, so, uh, when I got the, um, when I got the Ionic, uh, five, um, you know, this was as this big winter storm last week was coming through across much of the, the middle part of the country. We actually didn't get a whole lot of snow here, but we did get high winds, like 50 mile an hour winds mm. and the temperatures got down into the low single digits here. Uh, for a number of days, and um, so I went out, and uh, the the morning after the car was delivered, it was when I left the house here. It was I think five degrees, five or six degrees, um, and uh, it the snow. You know, it we, the storm had started. You know, we or the storm had had happened, um, and where I had the car parked in the driveway, the driver's side of the car was facing the direction the wind was coming from. And oh. when, when I walked out, you know, we, like I said, we didn't get a whole lot of snow. We got a little bit of snow. But when I walked out, you know, the, the Ionic 5, like the EV6, you know, has these door handles that pivot. You know, they, hin they are hinged and they, they um, you know, if you have the higher end trim levels, they're powered so that as you approach with the key fob, they're supposed to pop out from the door. Did not. And it, it was frozen. It did not pop out from the door. So I had to press on it, you know, and, and manually force it open. And it was so cold 
that when I got in the car and pulled the door shut, you know, it was it stuck open. It would oh jeez, so it wouldn't it wouldn't latch the door. Uh, um, again, so this had, is uh, that's why I don't like the fancy opening. I just want a door handle. Yes, make it make it simple. Make it simple. We need things that don't freeze. Yes. Like, there's cold weather places. Make things work in cold weather or make them easier. Yeah. Like, this is so fancy. Give that one to Robbie. Give Sam and I no, one. I don't want the work fancy in- door. I don't want a door that, like, oh, man, I just want, like, a regular, like, reach underneath, pull it, and it opens. That's it. I don't need yeah. it. It doesn't need to be electronic. It just needs something that, you like, a like your hand does, and it makes it happen, and that's it. It's, it's one less thing it's going to break. If you're like, well, yeah. you got to put a servo, and then it has to come out, and then you know it has to be part of this, and like, oh, nope, never mind, it froze. And, and you wonder why <laughs> we have a chip shortage. You know, doors like yeah, that. Right. Each one of those doors has got a, a little ECU in there with with Think chips. How in many? It. We'd have so much better car availability if we could just open all our doors like normal. Yeah, just regular. <laughs> just it's the same thing with the charging port doors. I've written a whole. I wrote a whole article about how I, I'm sick of like magic doors that open. I'm like, no, no, because my gas door, the the, the door to the gas just tank press it and it open. pops open. And press it and yeah. pop. That's all you yeah. need. Yeah. yeah. No. Nothing fancy. Just make the doors open. Just chill out, everybody. So, so without <laughs> without preconditioning the car, uh, you know, I, as as you said, Robbie, you know, I just got in and drove. You know, starting when I left the house, it was about five degrees outside, five degrees Ooh. Fahrenheit. That is, so it was a wee bit chilly out. Uh, you know, turned on the heat, turned on the seat heaters and the heated steering wheel, which are definitely a, a must must have if you're going to get an EV. Heated seats and heated steering wheel. Um, definitely makes it a lot more comfortable in there and just went out and started driving my usual loop that I do for, um, you know, for evaluating range and fuel economy. And it's a, it's a mixed loop, you know, about a 35 mile loop of, um, you know, some highway, some kind of suburban highway, like 45, 55 mile per hour roads, some uh, suburbs and, uh, and, and, um, urban stop and go driving. Uh, so it's a good, pretty good general mix. And in the past, when I've driven, uh, the Ionic five or the EV six on that same loop, I've gotten about 3.3, 3.4 miles per kilowatt hour, um, at six or seven degrees Fahrenheit. Um, I did the loop a couple of times and, um, averaged 1.8 miles per kilowatt hour. Which is uh, pretty low. I mean, yeah, the the these these Hyundai Motor Group vehicles, the the eGMP platform, they do have a heat pump um, climate control system, which is definitely more efficient. But it you know it still takes a fair bit of energy when it's that cold. It takes yeah. quite a bit of energy to heat to get the cabin to a comfortable temperature. And it's not like I was cranking it to, you know, 75 degrees. You know, I had it at, I think, 65 or 66. A reasonable, um, I live in Michigan, I can tolerate yeah. a little chill. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, so, you know, I drove it around for a couple hours like that. Averaged about 1.8. Um, as it got closer, you know, closer to about 7 or 8 degrees, you know, as I went on, you know, it crept up to about 1.9 miles per kilowatt hour, which, you know, is not bad. I mean, it. Um, I worked it out, you know, it would have worked out, you know, on a full charge, I could have gotten about 160, 165 miles of range um, at you know driving in those conditions, and the the Ionic Five I had was the all-wheel drive limited, so it had the big wheels, um, the the extended range battery, all-wheel drive, 320 horsepower, um, and it's rated at 253 miles of range under 
nominal conditions. Yep. So it lost about a third of its range, which is about what I would expect uh, under these has, conditions. So yeah. the, the, the moral of the story is if you get a car with a heat pump is that you precondition it before you get in. Yeah, yeah actually, well, use that. actually <laughs> any EV, any plug-in vehicle, not just, not just battery electrics, but also plug-in hybrids, because you can do this with a plug-in hybrid as well, because they have electric heating systems. You know, if you're driving it in the wintertime, you know, program in what time you plan to leave, um, you know, leave it plugged in, and you know, half hour or so, 20 minutes or so before your, your programmed time, it will actually turn on the climate control system, and it will warm up the cabin while it's attached to the, the heater, or while it's attached to the, your, your charger. Uh, so it's not using any of the charge from the battery to do this. Oh, I'm talking um, about preconditioning the battery. That way, once oh, you get in the yeah, battery, well, you'll too. get I mean, it, more range. Yeah, it'll, it'll do that too. So, uh, uh, yeah, you yeah, should yeah. definitely do that as well. So, you know, definitely keep the car plugged in if you can, uh, whether it's a plug-in hybrid or, or battery electric, you know, so you get the most out of the battery that you possibly can. Um, after driving around for a couple of hours, uh, I, program- I went into the, uh, the nav system, uh, the, the, the built-in nav system, uh, programmed it to go to my EA station because part of what I wanted to do is try out the new EA chargers. Um, and I had the, the preconditioning turned on. Um, and gave, you know, I, I did this like uh, when I was about uh, 25, 30 minutes away from the, the charger. Uh, and <clears throat> using the, the battery preconditioning does take a little bit of energy from the battery. So you do lose you know, a little bit of range, but it's not, it's, you know, it's only, you're only talking a, a few miles. So unless you're like really on the edge, uh, you should be fine. Um, I, uh, uh, I got to the, the charger, to the EA station with about 6% state of charge. Um, Ooh, you know, living on the pre- edge. Wow. Pre- yeah. Preconditioned the battery. It was up to about uh, 7 degrees Fahrenheit at this point. <laughs> oh, balmy. Uh, pl- plugged it in. Um, it, uh, it all worked. Um, and uh, sat in the car uh, and watched. And it did eventually get up to, it, it peaked at about 156 kilowatts uh, charging rate. So even with preconditioning, when it's that cold, you're probably still not going to get full maximum charging speed. I mean, I, you know, with an EV6 before and, and with, uh, with the Ionic, I have gotten upwards, you know, between 230 and 240 kilowatts charging rate. Um, still, you know, at 155, 156 kilowatts, it's still charging at a pretty fast pace. Yeah. Um, and so, so it, yeah, I'm it, sorry. It, it, it did work. The, the new chargers, you know, worked flawlessly first time out. It's always, it, it, it's always sort of just, it, it's tough to do with the charging because you never know how much of it is the car versus how much it is the charging station, when, how much it is the, you know, the weather. And you're just like, always like, I always have to end up having to take it with a grain of salt because I'm like, well, this car's supposed to charge at this speed. And, and it also depends on your initial state of charge, too. Yeah, the SF, yeah, because, yeah, oh, yeah, I had that lucid air, and I was trying to get video of it, like, charging really quickly. And we'd driven it, I don't know, probably 100 miles, but it was still, like, at, like, 78% capacity. Yeah. Like, There's not enough. I'm like, it's, <laughs> and, and I was, like, trying to, like, I put it in, 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 in like, uh, not in sprint mode or no uh, – What's the one above Sprint? Like, they're sport mode. Yeah. And I was, like, on the freeway just slamming on the <laughs> accelerator, like, trying to use up, like, energy so when I got to it, I could at least get video of it, like, 
you know, going faster than 80% or 87 kilowatts, which is what I ended up getting because I just, the state of charge was so high. It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> I was like, and, oh. and, and this, this is one of the other challenges with trying to educate people about charging uh, because, you know, you go to a gas station, it doesn't matter if your car's got an eighth of a tank of gas in it or seven eighths of a tank of gas in it. It's still going to pump gas at the same rate, whether it's five degrees or 85 right. degrees. Yep. You know, you're still going to get, you know, what, two, three gallons a minute, you know, five gallons a minute, whatever, whatever the, the rate that is pumping. It's going to be the same all the time. And that's not true for EVs. You know, it is going to vary depending on the ambient temperature, your initial state of charge, you know, all, all these variables. It's like a math. It's an algebra thing. Yeah. yeah he, no, it, it's it higher really math. Is. You have to be yeah. an engineer to figure it out, which is why yeah. Sam figures it all out. Yeah. I mean, I, I did go back a few days later um, when the, the battery was at about uh, 60, 65%, about 60% state of charge, I think. And plugged it in, and it was warmer that day. It was up into the twenties that day, and you know, from starting from about sixty percent state of charge, it got up to about eighty-seven kilowatts, uh, which you know, at, at that state of charge, you know, is actually pretty decent. Um, but um, you know, it's still nowhere near the the peak that you're going to get uh, with that car under ideal conditions. Um, there were a few other foibles i still i still really like the ionic 5 and the ev6 and the gv60 but i in under these cold weather conditions i i did notice a few other issues um one of the things i've noticed on a number of evs not not just this one i know the the cadillac lyric has this uh i think the the mach e is another one the you know these cars are all you know crossovers you know they tend to have you know fairly sloped rear window glass and the manufacturers have opted not to include um a rear uh wiper on these things Mm. um in part i think you know to save money and cost but also for aerodynamic reasons you know because when you've got that wiper sitting there you don't get as clean airflow off the back of the, the the tailgate and um so the Ionic 5, like many of these others, does not have a rear wiper. And while it does have a you know, rear defogger built into the glass, you know, so it gets rid of the, the snow and ice, um, and it's got that spoiler on the top of the rear hatch, and there's a couple of slots in there, and the airflow is supposed to, you know, when you're driving in the rain, for example, it, does a, it actually does a pretty good job. You know, the airflow management you know, blows the, the water off of there. So it actually keeps the rear window pretty clear in rain. But um, on in conditions like this, where you've got salt spray coming up, you know, as you're driving uh-huh. down the road, you know, the salt spray salt spray come, you know, gets swirled up behind the, the back of the car. And um, after doing my test loop, uh, I looked in the in the rearview mirror and realized I could not see anything at all out of the, the rear window. Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, because there is when you're driving in. Like in places where there's salt on the roads, that coats the bejesus out of your car. Like mm-hmm. you'll go through a ton yeah. of washer fluid. And it doesn't matter how aerodynamic things are. If your rear, rear window on something that is ever so slightly sloped does not have a wiper, you're not going to go see anything. Yep. I, I think you're, you're one of like a bunch of people who have complained about this. I'm, I'm assuming, I'm guessing that they're probably going to add one in the next, next year. 
I hope so. Because I feel like enough Does people it... have complained about it. Yeah. I've heard like a, like journalists are complaining about it, some other people. Because yeah, it's it's ridiculous that it doesn't. I mean, my my little Kona has it, and it's Sam, great. Is it is it from as an engineer and put on your engineering man hat, Sam? Is it that significant? A difference in terms of the aerodynamics, like that big of an impact to have a wiper? Like, is it that horrible? Um, I haven't talked to Hyundai about this, but I know um, last year when I was going through uh, a deep dive on the Cadillac Lyric with the designers, uh, the Lyric designers uh, at the yeah. GM Tech Center, um, you know, we were there with, with the car, and I had noticed at the time that it didn't have a rear wiper on there, and I asked about that, and they said that, yeah, it, it does make a, really? a notable difference. And, huh. you know, with, with EVs in particular, they are really concerned about the aero because they're trying to maximize, you know, what, what you don't want is you don't want, when you lift off the accelerator, you don't want the air slowing the car down. You want to be able to let the regenerative braking do all of that slowing of the vehicle. So you, you can recapture as much energy back into the battery. Air flowing over the car is not going to put energy back into the battery. It's just right. going to slow you down. And so they, they want it to be as slick as possible. And that rear edge, you know, if you, if you look at most relatively modern vehicles, you look around the back of the car, you'll notice a lot of little details. Like you'll notice like little ridges sometimes like on the back corners near the rear bumper. And the way that the, the tailgate, you know, at, at the point where the glass meets the tailgate, the, those edges... They actually spend a shocking amount of time in the wind tunnel tweaking those edges to manage the, 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 the way the airflow is breaking away from the back of the car. Because it's almost, it's almost actually more important than you know, the air flowing over the top of the vehicle around the sides. But actually, the, the rear edge, the way the air breaks away from the rear edge of the vehicle, managing that. Because otherwise, if you don't, you get this turbulence behind the car that basically creates a low pressure area behind the car that actually sucks it backwards. Like a sail. Literally oh, wow. sucks it backwards. Okay. Especially right. at highway speeds. Yeah. And like a- so, um, yeah, I mean, something like putting uh, a wiper blade, a wiper arm on that rear edge does make us a, a notable difference in that aerodynamics uh, right at that spot. Okay. I was curious. I mean, because if they're not including it, a lot of them, I'm like, it must make a difference. But mm-hmm. I appreciate that explanation, engineering man. Thank you. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so um, the Ionic 5 all-wheel drive limited um, that I had in uh, the cyber gray, uh, which is my, my least favorite color of, of uh, what they offer on that, um, came to a grand total of $53,895, including destination. All-wheel drives, long okay. battery. All right, yeah. Yeah, which is, you know, it's, it's not bad. Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's not, it's, it's, you know, it's about almost twice as much as the most expensive car I've ever purchased. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a really nice car. I, I really yeah. like the Ionic 5. Um, yeah. and And the EV6 and, and GV60. Uh, and, um, you know, my wife and I were going, um, going out for lunch, uh, in this thing. And, you know, she was, she was commenting on it. She, she's like me or she more so than me, you know, she's not particularly enthused with the shape of it, but she liked riding in it, liked the interior of it a lot. Um, and I think, you know, if we were to buy, um, you know, I mean, when we, 
when we replaced our Civic, our 2017 Civic, um, you know, we, we were talking about this, you know, we will almost certainly replace it with an EV. Um, and right now, you know, I'm leaning towards the EV6 and, and she, you know, she also prefers the EV6 look to, uh, to this one. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's why you have multiple brands with different designs. Because, you know, some people like this one better, some people like the other one. You get all the same goodness regardless of which one you get. You're both dead to me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, let's discuss a few of the, uh, the news items from this week. Speaking of EVs, dun, dun, dun. Um, the IRS uh, put out some, uh, a couple of press releases the other day. Um, <clears throat> and when they passed the uh, Inflation Reduction Act uh, this summer, uh, part of that law was, you know, it directed the IRS to issue guidance to automakers by the end of this year, uh, you know, on how to do the calculations for the battery content uh, for the uh, for the new clean vehicle credits, um, and uh, uh, they did not finish their work. Uh, yeah, you know, if I didn't up, finish my taxes, I would get in trouble. I'm just saying, yeah. if I didn't do it in time, do we get well, to charge him a you know, fee? I mean, you know, if you if you you know if you if you don't file your taxes on time, you have to pay a penalty. And so the IRS is playing fair; they are paying a penalty for not not getting their work done in time. Uh, you got to make a point. That's a good point. Um, so uh, you know, so in this case, in this one rare instance with the IRS, it it, it goes both <laughs> ways. You know, um, and so. Since they, they, they did not finish their work yet on that, um, what they decided to do was at least through the first quarter of 2023, so starting January 1st through March 31st, um, they are not going to take into account where the, um, where the, battery, material, or, uh, where the battery materials came from. Um, so you know, they're, they're not, they're not going to calculate the, the domestic battery content. Uh, for the, at least for the first three months of the year. So for any EV built in North America, so in Canada, U.S., or Mexico, um, they will be eligible for the full $7,500 tax credit. Boom. Um, as, long, as long as you also meet the other the income requirements. You know, so the, the income oh, requirements and the, and the price caps are still there. It's mm-hmm. only the battery content requirements are being waived for the time being. You can't be uh, so, rich. Yeah. So $55,000 for cars, $80,000 for trucks, SUVs, and vans uh, is the price cap uh, for the MSRP. And this was an interesting thing. I was reading through the fact sheet uh, on this. You know, one of the, the questions in the FAQ that they published was, um, you know, if the manufacturer is offering a discount or, uh, or you know, even if it's the other way, you know, if there are some additional costs uh like for example say a dealer markup you know um, <laughs> no uh, one they, does that they, they calculate this based purely on what the ms the published msrp is on the window sticker so if the msrp uh, is fifty four thousand nine hundred ninety five dollars and the dealer says well if you want this car you've got to pay me an extra ten thousand dollars you still qualify for the tax credit you um they, that's 
goodish. <laughs> that's goodish. No. Well, it's good because you're getting. I mean, you can still get, but also it doesn't like it. I, I feel like you should. But I, th- I think a lot of yeah. dealers are going to be. They're going to be jerks you know, about saying, it. Well, you know, you're going to get seventy five hundred ba- bucks back on this. So why don't why don't we split it? You know, give me thirty seven fifty of that. <laughs> why don't we split it? <laughs> um, so uh, so there, there's that, you know, and then uh, there's also the, the income caps. So for single filers, it's $150,000. Uh, for uh, if you're married filing jointly, it's $300,000. So if you make more than that, then you will not qualify for the tax credits. If you less you're than doing, that, then you're, you're good. You're doing fine. You're doing, you're doing all right. You don't need it. You don't need it. Yeah. You're fine. Good for well, you. Unless you live in San Francisco. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're doing fine. We, I made less. We, we, I lived in San Francisco. We made far less than that. We were fine. Okay. Uh, all right. So uh, that's that's the clean vehicle tax credit. So if you're if you're interested in buying uh, an EV or a plug-in hybrid, um, you know, and you're not sure if it's going to qualify uh, based on the battery content, um, as long as it's at least assembled in North America. Go out there, you know, after January first, um, and get something. You know, is if you can find something, at least anyway. Yeah. Um, you and, can buy uh, one if you can find one. <laughs> yeah, and then you'll oh. be able to get the seventy five hundred bucks. But there's also a thing now where if you lease the car instead of buying it, mm-hmm. you can get the seventy five hundred dollar credit uh, for cars built outside the U.S. Uh, I believe no, that's only for commercial vehicles. But you can use the commercial vehicle tax credit. Um, right, but that only applies to vehicles that are over fourteen thousand pounds gross vehicle weight. So, like that's you know if you're buying you know like a a, you know, a big heavy duty Sprinter or something like that, like a dually Sprinter, uh, you know it it's it it doesn't apply to light duty vehicles. Mm. I'm reading an article that makes it seem like it does. No, I I, I read through it. The, the clean vehicle tax. The, the commercial vehicle credit is only for vehicles over 14,000 pounds. All right. I'll trust you, Sam. We can argue about it okay. later. We can talk yeah. about it later. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Or, you know, anybody, you know, if you want to spend a few hours reading through the, uh, the Internal Revenue Code and try to figure Ooh, it out. Ooh, that if sounds you, super if, if you can, exciting. If, if you, if you want to read through that and... Sadly, I have spent way more time this year doing that than I would ever want to. But if you if you want to correct me, I'm happy to be corrected. But um, for at least my reading of it was uh, that it's only for medium and heavy duty vehicles. The only time I've ever read the tax code was in college to pass my accounting class to get my degree. And I just remember you, it being this gigantic paper class. thing. No, I had to take this, and I was limited in what I could take to fit my schedule. And I remember that it was like a gazillion pages long and the paper was like that really thin rice paper. Like if you fold it, if you flip the pages too fast, you would rip the, pa- it was the most miserable class. I'm like, why would anyone do this? I don't get it. Accountants. I appreciate you. I don't know how you do what you do. It's madness. Madness. It, it is. It absolutely is madness. And yeah. I, I only spent time reading one, you know, or a, cu- a couple of sections of the code, you know, trying to figure out the, the, uh, the, the clean vehicle credits for, for a report that we were writing. Can you imagine uh, having to know the whole code? Oh, like, this no. is what you do. I don't, I, and it sounds like I'm mocking accounts. I'm like, I would no, rather be I homeless like... than work at the tax account. <laughs> account. I, 
I just don't know how they do it. It's so complicated and so convoluted. I guess it's if it's your thing, it's your thing. And thank you, accountants of the world, especially April's not that far away. Thank you. Keep doing what you're doing. Tax time's yeah. coming. <laughs> All right. Um, another uh, semi-EV related thing. Um, not, not directly related, but uh, um, California passed a new law that um, says that uh, you cannot sell something that is labeled as full self-driving unless it is actually, you know, capable of driving itself without human supervision. Um, so this is going to be an interesting one to watch in the coming weeks uh, because Tesla um, definitely sells full self-driving capability, uh, even though the cars are nowhere even remotely close to being able to operate themselves without a human driver behind the wheel ready to take control at any moment uh, when it does the worst possible thing at the worst time. Um, and so... Um, uh, we'll we'll see how this uh, this plays out in California. Um, whether you know Tesla rebrands it. There was uh, an interesting tweet I saw that uh, that came out. Uh, Tesla tweeted some of their highlights from uh, uh, from 2020 or from 2022, and uh, they acknowledged that in North America they have sold um, 285,000 vehicles with full self driving. So well, 285,000 customers, which... The thing called full self-driving. <laughs> yes. Well, and, you know, really, that's... I mean, the name confuses people, and the names of lots of safety tech confuses people. Like, the number of times when I talk to just the average Joe who doesn't quite understand what that piece of, you know, common... What we think of, the three of us think of as really common stuff does, and it confuses people. I think having clearer names and more consistent names for stuff that more accurately reflect what the things do across the board is not a bad idea. I don't know how many people, if they change the name of it, people I think will be slightly less confused if it doesn't say full self-driving, but I'm willing to bet there's still a large number of people are going to think it does. People tend to always think these things do more than they do. They give things more credit than they should, regardless of what the tech is. Every time you know? I wrote a, a Tesla article about reviewing some, anything, having to do with a Tesla, I would always get uh, somebody emailing me to yell at me to tell me that it's a self-driving car. Because I would yeah. say in the video or in the article, it's not a self-driving car. It is a, you know, it's a driver's assistance. It's, right. it's, not, it's, not, it's not autonomous. It's, it's, it is a driver's assistance system. You are still in charge. And I would get people emailing me, it's self-driving. Well, and that's, and you see, like, the other automakers have really doubled down on the fact, like, do you remember, like, go back in the, back in the few years past, where they don't say, nothing says self-driving anywhere, not even, like, partial oh, no. self-driving, everything says driver assist, and they yep. made a big point at one point of switching all that terminology to make sure that it was, here's our driver assistance features, here's our driver assistance, they made a big thing well, about Mercedes changing did that this over. Once, I think when they, the previous generation E-Class, when they launched it. You know their their driver assist system. They it, they they ran an ad that actually referred to it as autonomous. Yeah, they don't want to say and, that anymore. And yeah. like yeah. within a couple of days, they pulled the ad after getting right? a lot of blowback um, because it it wasn't it wasn't it's autonomous. Right. It was an assist feature. Like yeah. they're trying. They like they all decided driver assist is a much more accurate. Mm-hmm word they, and it probably is but i still wonder how much like okay driver assist but when you read the names of the features in the driver assist system they can be confusing like you know there's a there's a lane keeping and assist and a lane keeping warning and like okay what's the difference like the average person gets a little confused by what those different 
things mean, and it, it is confusing. Like it, I, and it you is all, really you confusing. You also have the issue of you know every manufacturer oh, uses yeah. their own branding for the same right. functionality. I typically like, don't even mention the branding anymore because it doesn't make yeah. it doesn't I don't help either. No, I don't do either. I yeah, try to, I, I'll, I'll, if they have a name, I'll say like Kia's popping in my head right now. They have like what DriveWise is Kia's thing. But then when I list all the things, I tend to use the same normal words for things, not yeah. like there's Adaptive fancy cruise control. Is, is, well, yeah, is, Adaptive like, cruise control. It's a little easier. Radar cruise control, intelligent mm-hmm. speed control, intelligent cruise control, right? Um, smart cruise control. You know, all of these are this, exactly the same thing. Right. But Adaptive cruise control done across the board. It's confusing. Like I get, you know, it was like once upon a time they were all trying to come up with their word for thing. It was like we have this cool feature. We're trademarking this cool name because we're doing it. And it's like, well, now everybody's doing it, and everybody's trademarked a name, and we are all confused. Like it'd yeah. be nice to just. I get it. You want to show that you all do it, and I get where it started, but it's just led to this alphabet soup of descriptions for various driver assistance technologies. It is horrifically confusing for the average consumer. Yeah. Yeah. So they, yeah, they, they need to, they need to standardize the, the branding uh, for these functions you know, and not, not have unique branding for every, every manufacturer. Yeah. You know, if it's, well, we have an accelerator. We have the, the, the gas maker go faster and we have the, <laughs> like everybody has to have their own word for Turn things. Signal. Like, Turn signal. Indicator. Like when we have to look it up, I have to occasionally look it up. I'm like, wait, what is that one? That one means that for this brand, and that one means that for that yeah. brand. Like it's it's silly. Yeah, yeah. and and if you're you know if you're looking through the owner's manual, you know, I mean for us, I mean we're in kind of a weird position because we're driving different stuff every week. You know, right. But if you're looking for how to enable or disable something in the owner's manual, it's like, well, what are they? What is this exactly. company calling it? Because yes. you don't you don't even know what to look for. Right. Right. Yeah, You're like, is, which, are the, which are the 20 possible descriptors they could use for this? Is this what they call it? And you're like, nope, it wasn't in the A's. Nope, not in the B's. Not, like, you're literally having to go through the entire thing. It's like when you're a kid and your parents say, look that up, like how to spell something. And you're like, if you could look it up in a dictionary, I, if I knew how it started to spell it, I wouldn't need to look it up. I don't even know how to start this word. Yeah. Like when I was a kid, tsunami, I didn't know how to spell tsunami and I was told to look right. it up. And I'm like, it, there's nothing in under S and it starts with a T. Like, you yeah. don't. No, yeah. everything's a tsunami. All these words are like tsunami. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like, it why does psychology start with a, start with a P? Yeah. Right, and it's that way with this driver. It's just like I don't understand why they call this this thing for this company and this thing for the other company, and it leaves me confused with a dictionary in my hand, unable to figure out what's what. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, let's see what else. Oh, um, coming up next week, um, the uh, CES is happening in Las Vegas. Woo-hoo! I will be there. Have fun, um, Sam. Oh, Good luck. Yeah, I'll be here in my house drinking my tea and in my jammies. <laughs> I'll be running around from meeting to meeting all week long. Uh, but on Thursday afternoon, Stellantis is doing a big keynote. Uh, so if you're in Vegas at CES, it'll that'll be at the Venetian, uh, the Venetian Ballroom, uh, and among other things, they will be revealing the Ram 1500 Revolution concept. Uh, and this is um, this is a a preview of what to expect from the 2024 Ram 1500 EV, um, which may or may not be called Revolution, Ram 1500 Revolution. We'll see. Uh, but it, it will at least be a battery electric pickup truck. Um, you know, we've known that was coming since for about a year and a half ago when Stellantis did their EV day last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the, uh, the, the guys at Autoblog um, found 
uh, an interesting, um, or, yeah, Jonathan Ramsey actually uh, found um, the uh, trademark application from Stellantis for the Ram 1500 Rev, um, which could be, you know, referring to you know the revolution. It could be the whole EV, or it could also be the um, range extended version that they hinted at during that EV day last year, which would would actually is more likely what it is. I think is is probably the uh, the range extended version, and um, this this could actually be the the thing that gives um, Ram a real advantage over the competition in the electric pickup truck market. Uh, you know, doing some sort of range extended electric pickup. Um, you know, the the biggest issue we've seen with these electric pickups is if you want to tow any significant distance, you know, when you're towing, your efficiency goes way, way, way down. And so you lose a lot of range. And this is true with gas, true, gas trucks too, but um, it's particularly problematic with electric trucks. And for now, you know, Ram isn't giving us any details on exactly what kind of configuration this is going to have, but um, it, it looks like they are moving forward with some sort of range extended version of the, uh, the Ram. That'll be cool. I yeah. think it's a good thing. I'm I'm curious to see what this will be. Yeah, um, it'll be interesting. Yeah. Um, last news item uh, from uh, from the drive. Um, it's a reminder to not overload your truck. Um, don't don't put oh, too much gravy. payload on there. I just clicked on that link. <laughs> oh my god, that hurts my head seeing that image. <laughs> yeah, the the lead the lead image on this is a, a Ram thirty five hundred uh, um, crew cab dually with a big uh, camper on the back. Um, <gasps> and it's it's snapped in half basically. The frame snapped on this thing. Oh my uh, gosh! And yeah, the uh, the the owner of this truck, you know, apparently driven about 25,000 miles, uh, with this thing, uh, with a, the Eagle wow. cap 1165 on his Ram 3,500 dually. Um, the, uh, when they took it in for repairs, um, the, uh, uh the dealer, uh, said, this is not covered under warranty, wanted $17,000 to repair this. Cause basically it looks like they're going to have to replace the entire frame. Um, and, yeah, so there's, yeah, there's some uncertainty uh, here. You know, the owner says that um, the, the the payload capacity on the truck should be about 7,800 pounds. The camper weighs about 5,000 pounds empty, um, mm, and fully loaded, estimated it's about 6,500 pounds. But the thing you need to remember when you're looking at specs for trucks. You know, and this applies to cars and SUVs as well. Um, you know, oftentimes manufacturers will mix and match different specs. Um, like for example, uh, you know, I'll, I'll use Tesla as an example. You know, they they often you, know, you look at at the Tesla website and it'll say zero to sixty in two seconds, range four hundred miles, and Yes, you can get a Tesla Model S that will go zero to sixty in two seconds, and you can get a Tesla Model S that'll go four hundred miles, but they're not the same vehicle, mm-hmm. you know. And and with trucks, uh, especially uh, because trucks have so many different configurations, like regular cabs, extended cabs, uh, crew cabs, 
single rear wheel, single rear axle, single wheel axles, dualies, um, you know, different trim levels, different, different tire and wheel sizes. Um, you have to look at the specifics for the exact configuration of truck that you are driving to figure out what is the actual payload and towing capacity. You know, so there's, you know, pickup trucks that will tow, you know, 11 or 12,000 pounds, or in the case of these heavy duty trucks, you know, might tow, you might, there's configurations that'll tow 30,000 pounds. And there's also configurations that may have a 2,000 pound payload or a 7,800 pound payload. But they're, they're not always the same truck. Same truck. I feel yeah. like you're going to tow, especially something like this, if you're going to put this, or I guess this payload, not towing, but if you're going to put this on a, you're going to do this kind of heavy duty stuff with your truck. I feel like it's sort of like really look at exactly the configuration you got. Like, I think yeah. that's like a, like I would feel like I would want to make sure like, okay, I got a, B, C, D and F. What does that do for my truck? Well, if I change this one thing, what does that do for my truck? Like you have to be, and when you look at this, I'm looking at the horrifying picture. That's the lead image. This thing is pretty loaded down. Cause if you look, it looks like there's a little motorcycle on the back of it. Almost there's yeah, some something. little, and there's a, there's a set of at least one set of max tracks on the roof. It looks like like these yep. people are doing some off-roading at some point when they take this cab off. So, or take this thing off the payload. So it's, there's a lot of weight on this vehicle. There's right. a lot and, and, on here. Yeah, in the, in the article, they, you know, they look at some stuff uh, like, for example, you know, for a 2020 Ram 3500, um, there, there is a configuration with a 7,680 pound payload, which should have been able to support this, this cab, uh, this, this camper. Um, but that is a regular cab long bed with two wheel drive and the gas V8. Um, from just from the photos here, we know that this is a dually four wheel drive with the Cummins diesel. Mm -hmm. And, you know, while they don't know the, precise configuration of everything on this truck just from that alone the 4x4 diesel dually has a max payload of 5850 pounds wow. which so means that this over. thing almost certainly was overloaded by probably at least a thousand pounds which um, is a lot yeah plus if you i mean look at the camper it's there's so much weight on the back end yeah. That's your, that's, so you're 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 essentially it's like a lever. You're like, <laughs> yeah. Oop, just trying, yeah. Like if you put like if I like let's say I have a you know something that I put weight right on top of it, it's fine. But if I put weight over here, it's gonna eventually. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's you look at it, it's pretty amazing. He's the owner had told uh, the guy who interviewed him from the drive that he's he had that camper on there for 25,000 miles across Rocky Mountains, Pacific Northwest, Northwest and Baja. That thing was, what a champ that <laughs> it managed that yeah. before it, it finally that said, it fin yeah, that it finally said, you know what? I'm done. Snap. <laughs> yeah, it says at one point, Pavel says he noticed a creaking sound coming from underneath the truck. He inspected the shops <laughs> and springs did. but couldn't find an issue. So he and his wife continued to their designated camping spot. It was days later on a two-and-a-half-day drive north that the frame split. They were roughly 100 miles from the uh, U.S. border. Uh, so wow. I guess, they were, you know, yeah, they were in Baja, California, in, in, uh, in, or in Mexico. In Mexico. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I feel bad for them, but I also have that sense of, like, come on. You're going to weigh something down that much. you got to know what your truck can carry, people. Yeah. So, yeah, t you know, take, take care. You know, if, you're, if you think you're going to be anywhere near the limits of what your vehicle can do, you know, make sure you check out, make sure you verify what those limits are and,
try not to go over them. This is why you know one of the best features on the latest generation Ford uh, F series trucks is the the load sensors that are built in under the bed and and in the hitch. You know, so you can actually weigh, you know, how much stuff you're putting in there. And, you know, the, the truck is programmed from the factory with whatever its maximum payload is. Um, so you'll see on the screen in the truck as you load it up, you'll, you'll see what the maximum is that that truck can support. And, and as you load it up, you'll see the, the bar going up, getting closer and closer to that, which is it's pretty cool. It's a, it's a nice feature to have. And I think yeah. you know, every manufacturer should be doing this. That is a really good feature. Yeah. But then still the moral is, list, there's engineers, there's very many Sams out there engineering this stuff, so pay attention to the numbers they tell you your truck can carry. <laughs> <laughs> there's always someone who's like, why is this thing not working the way? Because uh, the engineers said it wouldn't work that way. <laughs> uh, all right, let's answer a few listener questions. Um, from uh, And this one came from the Discord, uh, and uh, if you're... If you're a patron, uh, we appreciate you. Thank you very much for your support. And you can, you know, if you if you want to join the Discord, uh, just uh, shoot me a note, and I'll send you the link for that. Um, Dave Wengier, sorry if I mispronounced the last name, or I'm not sure if it's Wengier or Wengier, or however. David um, asks, uh, when cars have GPS and nav, why don't they use that info to correct for speedometer error when it's available? Might not always be available, but surely any little bit helps. Using Waze, it's clear that my speedometer is about 5 kilometers an hour, about 3 miles an hour off. And I know all of the reasons that can be, which is why GPS seems like an obvious answer. Um, in principle, it would seem like an obvious answer. In reality, it's maybe not so much. Um, you know, GPS, you know, different GPS receivers, the GPS software um, can have errors of its own built in uh so the calculations you know may not necessarily be accurate um especially if you're driving in an urban area it can be really inaccurate uh because of the way gps works you know, you've got these signals from multiple satellites that are time synced when they leave the satellite um and you know the, the system triangulates from the, the time difference when it hits your receiver um to figure out exactly where you are to calculate where you are which is a, a really cool solution except that if you're in an urban area and those signals are bouncing off buildings a couple of times which is why if you've ever tried to use nav in an urban canyon uh you'll find that a lot of times it'll say you're three blocks away from where you actually are um and uh because the you know every time it bounces off a building it takes longer for that signal to get from the satellite to your gps antenna and so the signal's off it also, um, I run into this in Boston all the time. It can't tell quite whether I'm on the surface road or the tunnels underneath. Yep. So it literally uh, thinks I'm up on the surface and it's telling me to take a left. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm in a tunnel and there is no left. So that, that, how Not with that attitude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not with that attitude. But so like this, so there's things that will make, make that wrong, you know? Yeah. And, you know, there, there's a lot of stuff, you know, that, you know, for example, um, you know, you're not allowed to, you know, the same, the same calculations that are used to calculate, um, you know, your speed are also used to run your odometer. You know, modern vehicles have electronic odometers and the odometer is supposed to be tamper proof, you know, so there's not supposed to be anything adjusting it. So whatever is in there from the factory kind of needs to stay there, um, you know, for your odometer and your speedometer, 
Um, and you know, even if it's off by a little bit, it needs to be consistent. Um, and you know, if, if these you know, vehicles are constantly adjusting themselves, um, there, there may be some legal issues. I'm not 100% certain on that, but That's there may be some point. regulatory issues uh, involved with you know, making adjustments like that that impact the odometer. Uh, and certainly, you know, things like, you know, warranties that are based on how many miles you've got on the vehicle. Oh, that um, you could technically be yeah. falsifying your mileage, even if you were correcting for an honest reason like that. Yeah. 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 So it's, it, it, in theory, it's a good idea. In principle, it's a little, as, as always in engineering, it's more complicated. <laughs> I wonder if you had like two different ways apps running on your car, if, each, if they would, those would line up exactly. Because I feel like they would probably be a little bit off. Now we have to do that. Now we, gotta, we have to be now we got to drive from two yeah. different phones. New yeah. Yeah, next drive phones. program. Yeah, pull up two different phones, pull up ways, put See the same happens. destinations in, set them like next to each other in the car or whatever. Watch them battle Go. it out. Battle yeah. it out. See, yeah. See, yeah. It's a good question. Uh, okay. Um, let's uh, let's answer David Levine's question first. Then uh, David asks, uh, "Thanks for providing hours of commuting enjoyment." Um, you have mentioned on the show that Tesla is ramping up FSD to more owners. I believe, like you, that this is to book the income. Um, we know that FSD doesn't allow doesn't follow the car to the next owner. How does Tesla handle the purchases of FSD that they collected from cars that have, uh, that were sold, but that FSD was never delivered on? Um, do you, do they just eat the dollars? How does Tesla claim the income for something that was never delivered to the purchaser during their ownership? Um, that's a really good question. So just, just to there. clarify for, for everybody, you know, when, mo when these vehicles were sold with FSD to begin with uh, over the last six years, um, you know, up until the point that Tesla actually started delivering that functionality to customers, they couldn't book the revenue uh, as, as automotive revenue. They, they, they booked it as, you know, as cash. You know, so they had the cash in their bank account. But it, they couldn't count it towards their revenues. It's, it's what's known as deferred revenue. And they can only add it to their, their revenue line at the point when they actually deliver that feature. Um, and then, you know, then it you know, gets added into their, their, their profits or losses. Um, and so for the last, most of the last six years, most of the people that paid for FSD never getting that feature, that money went to Tesla you know, anywhere from $3,000 to $15,000. Um, Tesla got that money. They, they have it, but um, they couldn't book it as revenue. I think, and again, I'm not an accountant here. If there's somebody out there who's an accountant that I know that somebody who took a class. Huh? <laughs> I know someone who took a class. <laughs> yeah, you took, a, you took an accounting class. I took I an accounting one class, class. Too. <laughs> Or Actually, I took Econ 101. Sorry, I didn't take accounting. I failed Econ 101, but go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Never but, mind. You know, if, if there's anybody in the audience that, that can chime in on this, please you know, let us know. Feedback at wheelbearings.media. But I think what happens is you know, for those cars that may have already gone out of service or the, custom, you know, the customer's like our friend Leo Laporte, you know, he used to own, he used to have a Tesla Model X, you know, turned it in at the end of the lease. He had paid for FSD when he got it, never, never got that functionality. Tesla got the money. Um, you know, they, it counts towards their, um, their cash on hand that they have, their working capital, but not as revenue. 
So I think that it, it just stays that way. It stays in their bank account, but they just they can't count it as, as revenue. But, but if you know if you know better, please feel free to correct me. So I wonder if the like opening beta to everybody now allows them because now they're saying, Hey, yeah. we delivered something, so now we can count that as revenue. So at the end yes. of this quarter they'll say, Oh, we got all this extra revenue because they're not getting as much revenue from China anymore. They're not getting as much revenue from China, and it looks like their sales in North America have slowed down in recent months, which is also why they're offering a $7,500 discount until the end of the year. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think that – I think you're right. I think that's why, they're, why they just opened it to everybody so they could book that revenue. All right. Last item from Dan Vesma. Um, this also, um, I think, from the Discord or maybe from Twitter. Um, do you guys have any motoring New Year's resolutions? I don't have a New Year's resolution. I'm, I don't do New Year's resolutions as a rule. I don't know. Can I make my resolution drive more cars? Sure. That's going to be my resolution. More, more cars. All right. More cars. Also, I need to say before we leave, so I was talking about Great Googly Moogly the other week, and I was like, I think it comes from an ad, and sure enough, this guy, uh, Jake Robb, right. Yeah. Listener, I want to say a shout out to Jake. He found it. He found the clip, and I now have the clip on my phone where it was, in fact, a guy who paints the end zone at a football game to say chefs instead it of chiefs. It was a Snickers ad, wasn't it? A Snickers ad. And at the end, when the guy's like, who are the chefs? And he goes, great, googly muggly. That's where it's from. So thank you, Jake Rob. <laughs> uh, what about you, Robbie? Resolutions? I don't typically make resolutions. I, I guess, um, I don't know, get rid of the Jaguar. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my wife doesn't like it. I I thought about making it into a, like a project car, but I don't have any emotional attachment to it, which means I don't care. If I don't care about, you could the make car, it into a lemons car. Yeah, yes. Yeah, I suppose. Or I could just get rid of it. And he still doesn't it. have any. But he's like, yeah, fine. I, I could do that guy's car. I mean, yeah, I could do a lemons car with it. It'll be fine. But I just don't care about the car. And if you don't care about something, why are you going to do anything to get it? Get rid Not of it. The, yeah, so I think so. I think that my, my motoring New Year's resolution to get rid of the Jaguar and ride my Vespa more. How's that? That's Sounds fair. Perfect. The the only resolution I ever make is to I resolve not to make resolutions, and I've I've never managed to fail on that one. <laughs> Good job. I like Bat- that. Good job, Sam. Batting a thousand. All right. Well, thanks everyone, and uh, have a happy New Year if you uh, listen to this beforehand, and. Uh, Hope 2023 works out better for everybody. Yeah. All right. We'll talk to you all next time. Bye. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.